All right, we've been uh, working through uh, Fight Right. The goal is not that you never fight. We understand that fights are going to happen. It's uh, taking those fights instead of this fight creating more separation and more distance for the next one. Is it possible to be able to fight right where this fight leads to actually trust when you walk into the next one? And the, the first thing we talked about in terms of what you are not going to do is uh, you're not going to try to get your point across right off the bat. You're not going to take your anger and go, okay, I got to be heard. I got to be heard. The exact opposite. I'm going to first understand what they're trying to say. I'm going to hear what they have to say first. That's the first step in a fight is, wait a minute, what are you truly trying to, to communicate? I want to be able to hear what you're, what you're saying. Not just hear your words, be able to hear what you're saying. And then last week we talked about that I'm not going to control information. I'm not going to take information and use that and manipulate it or manage it, but I'm actually going to reveal the truth. I'm going to share who I am. I'm going to communicate who I am, kind of the whole truth. And uh, we walked through those pieces. And uh, today we're going to jump into another piece. And as we do, uh, I want to start with this, uh, this part of it. You kind of grabbing a hold of, of what we're talking about. So in your relationships, and this is true for parent-child uh, relationships, it's true for couples' relationships, it can be true at work as well, that oftentimes when we go to war, um, we are focused on how we can get that other person to change. And the, the term that we're using today is don't force it. Don't force it. This is so natural to many of us, we don't even recognize that we're doing it. That when we are faced with a situation, we naturally go, wait a minute, how do I get them to change? What do, I, what do I need to do to get that person to do what I want them to do? If you've ever been with a group of uh, people who, or you've been one-on-one -on -one with somebody and they come and they tell you the story and they're going to ask you, what should I do? Or they may go, I, I need some advice. I need, I need some help on this. And they lay out the story. How many times have you done that and they ask you, what should I do? And what they mean by that is, how do I change the circumstances I'm in? How do I change the person I'm having this conflict with? This is really popular with parenting. It's really popular, especially when your, your kids get older. You're like, okay, my child does this and he did this and da 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 da. What do I do? And the answer you're asking is, what steps can I take? What can I say? How can I treat them so that they are forced to change, so that they will change? And so as we talk about what we're going to talk about today, the first thing I want you to do is, is interact with, wait a minute, do you do that? Is that what you do? Another place that you see it, um, and it might just be the world I live in. It may not be true everywhere. It might just be the world I live in. But the, in the world I live in, there's a... Uh, this huge wave of couples' relationships where the woman has become the mom and the husband has become the little boy. Where your relationship is that the woman feels like she's responsible to get the man to do what she needs him to do. Finances, parenting, showing up someplace on time, the house being clean, just lots of areas of your life 
whereby if we follow you around, we would notice the, the woman has this huge weight on her shoulders that she has got to get this guy to shape up. That's what she's got to do. That's her role. That's what she has to do. And he's kind of given up. He gives excuses and he laughs it off and, oh, I did this, and da da da. And it's that relationship of which no one wanted. You didn't want that. As a woman, you didn't go, man, I want to be a mommy to some boy. I want to be a mommy to a boy. Well, you look like a good one. You look like you'll be a boy the rest of your life. I want to marry you. Right? And no guy was like, I don't want to leave my mommy, so I'm going to go find me another one. Right? I'm going to find me another mommy. So you start dating, looking, I think they'd be a good mommy. You didn't do that, right? But it's happened. You've fallen into this thing where it's her job to force you to grow up. And you think it's your job to force her to get off your back. Like it's, it's a really common piece that has happened. That may not be the dynamic in your relationship, but how many times do you instantly think, okay, I am responsible to solve this problem, and your first response is, so therefore I need to do something, say something, not do something, not say something, to force them to change. Like that's what's going to solve the problem. That's how we do this. And if you look back at your fights, how many times in your fights do you quickly go to the place where, okay, I'm going to say what I'm going to say next. I'm going to do what I'm going to do next because I want to put them in a position where they have to change. They have to do what I want them to do. Whether that means confessing or whether that means uh, saying, yes, you're right about what we're doing, whether that, whatever step that is, that's your natural reaction. And of course, that leads to more fights and more distance, and exactly opposite of where you want to go. So we're going to uh, jump into a passage that talks specifically about fighting. And as we do, uh, the passage at the end is going to give you the exact answer as to why you fight, and to why you keep trying to force the other person to change. Which, by the way, this whole idea of having oneness with someone or a healthy relationship is actually built on the fact that it's two people that share lives. And you're going to share life with someone the way they are. That's what it's built on. It's, it's beautiful whenever you're able to interact, two people are able to interact with each other and go, okay, that is who they are. The choice is not whether or not I can change them. The choice is whether or not I want to hang out with them the way they are. So let's jump into this. What causes quarrels and what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Right? What causes fights among you? Before you look any further, right? In your mind, what do you think causes fights? you think, yeah, they do really stupid things. They say really stupid things. If, if we continue to do what they do, bad things are going to happen. That's not what he says. Is it not this? 
Your passions are at war within you. Your passions are at war within you. What you want is at war with what you want. In other words, you're not okay with you. If you draw a circle around who you are, you're not okay with you. You need something from someone else for you to be okay. That's why you fight. And it starts here. If you just put yourself in a room with you, you're at war. I only fight because they're here. That's not true. If we extract everybody else from your life and you sit in a chair, who will you fight with? You. You're already at war with you. You're not at peace. You're not strong. You're not okay with you. You're at war with you. Your desire, your desire, and you do not, ha- I'm sorry, your desire, and you do, I'm sorry, I, I, can you back up, guys? I blew that one. Um, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. You want something, but you don't have it. So you murder. You're like, oh, I have not murdered somebody in like 10 years. I don't know what this is talking about. Glad it said murder. I'm off the case. I'm off. I'm out. Well, there's a passage in the Gospels where Jesus talks about murder. And he says this. We've been explaining this passage away for a long time. The, the passage says, if you call someone raka, which means fool, if you call someone raka, then you, it's the same as murdering them. And like, oh, he didn't really mean like murder. That's not really what he meant. That's exactly what he meant. And when he said raka, it means that you say something to someone where you, it's a disparaging remark. It's full of hatred. You want to hurt that person. That's what you want to do. A few passages, a few verses after that, he says to men, he says, look, I guess it applies to women too. Uh, If you lust after a woman, it's the same thing as adultery. That one's a little bit easier to understand. In other words, if you look at any woman other than your wife to taste of, to kind of get a high off of, to kind of interact sexually with, even though she doesn't even know what's happening. That's the same thing as adultery. Why why did Jesus do that? Because in this passage, he was trying to help people see that, oh, the law, the standard is about right here. But righteousness, the standard is here. Because it's not just about what you do, it's about the, your actual heart. It's about who you are. So, you desire and have not, so you murder. So what happens in a fight with you? You're not okay with yourself. You need the other person to change, and so you go after them to get them to give you what you need. And what happens? Well, In my life, this is what happens. I am convinced that if my wife would give me X at this particular time, 
I'd be good. I'd be okay. But for whatever reason, she's not giving that to me. And so then I use tools like guilt and shame, silence to separate and leave her all alone. I am trying to murder her soul. Why? Because if I can make her feel bad enough, she's going to give me what I want. If I can make her, sometimes I do this when I'm doing good things for her. I'm doing all these things for her. I'm doing all these things. Why? Because I want her to see just how great I am. Look at all I've done for you and look at what you've done for me. Do you guys use that? Do you guys have that calculator in your life? I did this, 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 and this. And look what you did. What am I trying to do? What am I trying to do to her soul? I am trying to force her to do what I want because I'm amazing and she's not. I'm trying to murder her soul. I bet you do too. Now I'm going to do my pet peeve thing for a second. This is actually not directly part of the message. It ticks me off to no end when you curse at each other. Men, especially you. Do you understand that when you curse at your spouse, you take a knife or an arrow or an axe and you slash their hearts? Do you think that when you say, I am sorry, I shouldn't have said that, I was mad, do you think it magically heals that heart? You're wrong. It does not. When you say that you love someone and you say, I want to give my life to you, and then you murder them with words, it stays, man. That scar stays. Okay, now we're back. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain. They have what I want. They have what I want. Here's the crazy part about this. What you want is security. What you want is to be loved. What you want is for someone in your life to put you first above everything else in the world. What you want is peace. And what you want is joy. And what you want is hope. And how do you try to get it? You use shame and guilt and pride and that calculator. Do you ever get what you want with the way that you fight? Never. You've never gotten it. You're like, no, 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 I did. They gave in. That's right. And now he's a puppy dog. He's a little boy. You're right. You won. The last 15 arguments, you won. And what'd you get? You got a little boy. You got none of the things you wanted. Flip that the other way. Exactly the same thing's true. You, you, you put her in her place. You logically destroyed her, and you got nothing of what you wanted. 
You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. This specifically is talking about God. You, ha- you, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. What are passions? Passions are the love of the flesh. It's I'm going to make my body feel good. We do that with food and we do that with sex. There's lots of other things we do it with too, but we do those two things. A lot of us fight about sex. Why? Because I don't have what I need and I need them to give it to me. It's a passion because you see I would have security and I would have all of those things that they would just give it to me. Now I have to admit it's easy to get fooled by this because it is true that many times when you had intimate healthy sex you felt amazingly secure. You felt oneness. You felt all the things you think that sex gives you. But this is interesting, right? This is really interesting. Because when you force it, you still get the sex, but you don't get any of those with it. Because, well, we're going to find out why in just a little bit. It's true for all those other things as well. He says, you ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You spend it on your passions, which is the pride of life. The pride of life is respect. In our culture, it's pretty interesting. We, we've made a big deal about respect. You're going to respect me. I'm going to make you respect me. Have you ever noticed that when you make someone respect you, they will never respect you? You ever notice that? You walk in with your attitude and how tough you are and you're going to make them respect you. Every word that comes out of your mouth, the people around you are going, I might, I might get on my knees. I might do whatever you say on the outside, but on the inside, I do not respect you at all. So we fight for that other person to show us respect. So what? So you can be somebody. So you can be proud. And you think that pride and security are the same thing. They're opposites. Then he says this, you adulterous people. That's strong. Now this comes from, this is this letters written to Jews uh, at that time. And they understood this really well because in the Old Testament, God talks about how he married Israel. How Israel was his wife. And so he says, you're my wife. I'm going to take care of you. The whole world is going to see how loving and kind and awesome that I can be because you and I are going to have this relationship and they're going to watch it and they're going to go like, whoa, that's incredible. And then they'll come to God. But they kept pursuing other gods. They kept thinking, okay, God, yes, what you've given us is great, but we want what they have. We want what the world offers. And so they would go off after it, and they would be adulterous. How are we adulterous? Well, I want security. Right. 
Do you want security from your Savior or from your spouse? Do you want security from your Lord and your King and your God? Or do you want it from your job? Do you want security from the one who's given everything for you, the one who has the world in his hands, or do you want it from your children? I want, I want, I want to know I'm loved. I want to know I am loved. I, I can't live without being loved. That's actually true. Where are you getting the love from? Your king? Or from something here on earth? Your bank account? Your... So whenever we go, okay, Jesus, I know you promised me all that stuff, but I'm going to get it here. You just committed adultery. In other words, I'm going to move away from Christ, who also says that the church is married to him. When you become a believer, it's like he talks in 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 that language. You're like, yeah, yeah, I I got that, God, but I'm going to get it someplace else. I'm going to get what I need someplace else. It's adultery. But do not know that do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That when you love the world, when you think that anything here, stuff, people, anything here is going to satisfy what you're longing for, you love it. You're an enemy of God. You hate God. You cannot live in both worlds. You can't pursue God and play with it over here at the same time. He says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You're going to go one way or the direction of the other. I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but for numbers of you, you've, you've either grown up in cultures like this or you've been around this. And Lori and I have been asked this question many, many times, different places where we live. Can a man be good friends with a woman who's not his wife? You know what our answer is? Absolutely not. And all of you women are like, I, I thought we were friends. Not really. Why not? Because she's the only one for me. And if she senses just the tiny bit that I would ever have affection of any kind for somebody else, I have just cheated on her. Why? Because you can't live in both worlds. You can't receive and experience oneness. She and I can't experience oneness with each other while I'm trying to get what I need someplace else. That's what God says about us. The reason we fight is because we don't have what we need. And instead of going to Christ to find it, we try to get somebody else on this earth to give it to us. The story, we're going to... Experience a story now, and this story comes from a guy named Laz, and 
The reason for him to share the story today is, one, it's time for him to share his story. It's time. But the second reason is because I learned a lot about this force thing from my relationship with him in, in the struggle that I've had in a relationship with him. And so, uh, Laz, would you please come on out and uh, share your story? church. Good morning, friends. Good morning, family. Before I share my story, I'd like to pray for my wife and kids. Lord, I come today to share a story that was and lived by my wife and kids. I pray as I share this story that you protect their hearts and allow them to know that I'm sharing not to hurt them, that I share this story because it's my journey to fight right for them and for myself. I ask you that give me the strength and wisdom that I'm about to share. As for those that they hear this story, that know me or don't, that you are the author for that I can't hide this story anymore. My name is Lazaro, and for those that know me, I'm Laz. For those that don't know me, let me share you a little bit about myself. I've been coming to Skyline for more than eight years, served in different ministry, was part and assisted in leading the men's softball team, led financial peace, part of the business team, was a producer, a great friend. You hear all these things, but the most important role was missing from the list. I, I did know what was missing, but never owned it. Never wanted to face it, not because it was hard, but because I was unaware, because I was not unaware of it, but because I had secrets. I had sins in my life that I could no, not allow it to be confronted by me, by my wife, as well by God. I led a life that I fought to maintain an image, to not just for others, but for myself, so I can be okay with my sins. An image to justify what I was hiding, but never been able to be a God-loving husband and father. There came a time that I could no longer hold my sins a secret. I did tell my wife the sins that I had hidden, which were multiple affairs. It was not easy for me to say that. It was not easy for her to listen. Not only were the sins confessed, but the words that I chose were poor, hurtful, spiteful, damaging. Things just got worse and worse because I chose to make it worse. More anger built up, more resentment, more defiant, more selfish. I became that because I did not take ownership. I did not take ownership of what I did, what I said. I did not take ownership because of fear. I did not take ownership because I decided to fight my way. I decided to fight my rules. It did not work because I ended up leaving the house, leaving everything I worked hard for. Even though the main issue was between my wife and I, my kids were hurting as well. It was devastating when my wife told them that I was leaving the house. To see their faces, to see the hurt, to see their pain was unbearable. But feel my anger, feel my selfishness, feel my justification of what I felt because I did not agree with it. The clock never stops. The pain never stopped. The word fighting, the, kit, the tick for tat never stopped. Threats, disrespect, and self-righteousness never stopped. I continued to turn, attend church, but slowly started to withdraw from church and others. I withdrew due to embarrassment, shame, fear. I withdrew because I did not want to listen. I did not want to talk about the issue. I did not want to keep talking about the same thing over and over. I did not want to be forced to feel, do, or say anything I did not want to say. I was selfish and focused on me. I was, I was fighting for myself, fighting to protect myself, fighting for something I wanted to control no matter what it cost me. So we started to live separate lives. My focus was my kids, the promise to keep my financial obligations, and myself. 
We decided on how to spend time with the kids, when and where to drop them off. It was my responsibility to talk to them about what was going on. I did try to ask them questions or open conversations, but they never wanted to talk about it. Not because they didn't want to. Not because they did not care. Because they were living it. And my understanding now is that why talk about it when I can't even talk to their mom about it? <laughs> Financially, it was hard. It was testing at times, but I never, I never took it away, nor did not want to fail them. So I did what I had to do to keep my promise. It was not just about keeping the promise. It was more about proving to myself that I can do this. I can pay their bills. I can pay my bills. I could provide them. I could provide for myself and et cetera. But once again, the fight was about me, not them. During this time, I did withdraw from people in church. I stopped coming to church because I felt unsafe, undeserving, and embarrassed. I stopped talking to people because I knew what they wanted to talk about. I knew the questions they would ask or want to ask. And most importantly, I did not want to hear those words over and over. I'm disappointed in you. I thought you were better. You were my friend. You were my brother. You let me. You let us down, and so on. The only person that I kept in contact was Pastor Chris. Even that was troubling at times, and he knew it. He knew if I call, text, or email, he would send out. It would be responded, but not in a timely manner, but it would be. He knew that whenever I reached out to him, it was to talk or share my heart and feelings. It was a never sign or taken that I was being disrespectful because he never, he never became the problem. The church never became the problem. The Bible never became the problem. The problems was within me. The problems within my heart and struggling and fighting to fight. No matter how many rounds I went with myself, I would either win or draw. I never lost. Because in my head, losing was giving up. Losing to myself was acknowledging my ego and pride. Losing meant I was weak and everything that my wife told me was correct. Fast forward to the half of 2019. A decision had to be made. A decision, do I continue to live a life of fighting for myself and convincing that all was good with me and my kids? A decision that I truly am happy with what I have. A decision that my kids truly loved me and were happy of who I am. A decision that I was happy and respected the person I saw in the mirror. Once I made a decision, it was hard to be seen that I was changing my heart, changing my thoughts, changing my words and actions. Once I made a decision to fight, what I call baby steps, I had to learn to love again. I had to learn how to listen again. I had to learn to, to be humble, even when I wanted to lash out on anger. I had to learn to be transparent with not just by myself, but with my wife and kids. I had to learn that no matter what was thrown at me, I had to face the music as the saying goes and not get mad, defensive, or self-righteous. I did join a life group, nervous and scared about it because it was my first step to put my decision in practice. It was during Stronger Together session where I had my breakthrough. I was called to share my story in front of them. I was called to be transparent. I was called to be weak. I was called to not allow my fear to dictate my story, manipulate, or lie about it. I prayed and prayed. I had Pastor Chris pray for me. The baby steps, to, baby steps took me to the next step and to the next one until they became baby, they, they did not become baby steps. They became steps of faith, steps of strength, steps that allowed me to see my wife and know she was more important than my issue, more important to fight to undo the pain and hurt I caused. It made me see and know what my fight needed to, what my, my fight needed to be, to change my tactics, to change my battle plan. It made me realize that Jesus never left me. He never abandoned me. He never walked away, and so did not my wife. That this fight was not to be fought alone. This fight needs to be about my wife's heart, to fight for her with no expectations, fight with no boasting. Well, well, well fight like these verses. Ephesians 5.25, 
For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Jesus Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 5. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Even though I have no records of my wife's wrongs, I have my own records of my wrongdoings because it helps me see and feel the pain that she feels and the, my fight is to have her not go back to feel that again. So church, today I come to be transparent. I come today to share my story and to share that I am broken. I am unworthy, undeserving of the love our God has given me and the love for my wife and kids. But if I let that build me up and fuel my fight, I would not be a humble, God-loving husband and father who is fighting for his family. And even at times, this fight is hard and I question it. This time, I don't fight alone. I share my struggles with my wife, with certain individuals that have made a choice to help me fight and be part of this journey. And I ask for forgiveness today. Thank you. Heavenly Father, this is what you came for. I pray for all of us to stop looking anywhere but to you. Stop hiding, controlling information, forcing others to change. I want to thank you that you would not give up on less. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, buddy. We're, yep. We're going to uh, take communion together, and, uh, but I'm going to do part of the, kind of finish the message as we keep moving through. So there's, there's two practices that come out of this. One is, I'm going to stop trying to force the people I love to change. I'm going to stop fighting in such a way that my goal is to get them to give me what I want and what I need. But the other side of it is, I'm going to stop succumbing to the people I love, forcing me to change. For a number of you, you have a relationship with someone whereby you just keep giving in to this. And the reason that you're changing is so they'll stop being mad. The reason that you're changing is so they'll stop nagging. The reason that you live your life the way you do is because you don't want to break the eggs. Like you're walking around on eggshells. You are interacting with them, succumbing to how they're trying to force you to change. And the bitterness just keeps growing and growing and growing. The hopelessness just keeps growing and growing and growing. So as you do those two things, what you have to decide is if you're going to trust the world 
or you're going to trust God. First thing that happens when you trust God is it creates peace in you. Whatever it is that you need from somebody else in whatever way that you can't live like this any longer, in whatever way this has to change right now, is not true. Those are God's issues. God has said he will love you. God has said he will protect you. God has said he will provide for you. So when you do that, when you say yes to God and you interact with him on on that specific thing, God, I'm going to get it from you. I'm going to trust you for this. It creates peace in you. People who are at peace fight well. People who are at peace, they fight really well. And number two, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to create peace between me and the person that I'm fighting with. I don't have to force them to change, God. They belong to you. You're going to provide my needs, and they belong to you. It's up to you to change them, not me. It's up to me to trust you and do what you ask me to do. Now, as we take communion, here's a couple of passages that it says. First of all, for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, betrayed. Why was he betrayed? So that you would never be alone again. So that you could know what it's like to be loved in the middle of a really bad marriage. So you could know what it's like to have strength and power when this world offers you nothing. Took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you want to give up this adulterous life that you're living? This life where, no, you're not cheating on your spouse with another person. You're cheating on Jesus. You're looking for this world, the people you love, to satisfy what only Jesus can satisfy. Now, he gave his body to give you the chance to do that, to be forgiven, to come back to him as your one and only love, your one and only provider. Then it says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is a new relationship between me and Jesus. It's a relationship whereby I break things and he fixes them. It's it's a relationship whereby I'm left wanting and he provides everything that I need. It's a relationship where I don't have to hide who I am. I don't have to pretend who I am. I don't have to go to other people and demand they change so I can be okay. Because he washes me clean. 
It's in this relationship. And, and you have to understand this new covenant is a marriage. And when you seek your needs to be met by something, anyone other than him, it's adultery. That's what it is. You're cheating on him. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's my husband. He's the one I trust. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to take the bread and then we'll take the juice. But if you're here this morning and you're right now in the middle of a fight and you're not going to give up the fight. You still think that person has to change for you to be happy. Don't take communion today. Just put it on the back there. Don't take it today. Why? Don't pretend you're faithful when you're not. If you are in that place today and you're like, no, I, want, I, don't, I don't want to cheat anymore. I want, to, I want to receive it from him. Then today, the reason to take it is because you're done living in both worlds. You're done trying to seek what you need from this world. You're going to be satisfied just taking it from Jesus, accepting it from Jesus. Then take it today. And the first thing you're going to do after you take it is you're going to go to that person and say, I'm sorry. I was trying to get something from you that only Jesus can give me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your body. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you could set me free. Thank you that it's never Lori's fault. It's never, ever, ever Lori's fault. When I fight, it's never her fault. It's because of the fight within me. It's because I've looked someplace besides you. And Jesus I invite these other, our family, to take this with me because I've been reminded and I only trust you. Let's take it together. Lord Jesus, I love the picture that your blood washes me clean as snow. That you are the only one that provides all my needs and that I can always come to you and find forgiveness. But I can't come to you and find forgiveness when I'm, I'm pretending, I'm cheating. I'm wanting you to bless my life, but I really think I can find what I need someplace else. Today, thank you for reminding me. And so as I take the juice, I take it celebrating this new relationship, this new covenant whereby you and you alone are the source of my provision. Let's take it together. Thank you, Lord. 
It's too good to be true what you do. It's too good to be true. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.